these supplications, these bringing of our petitions to God, these prayers, this, this, this talking to God, intercessions, pleading with God on the behalf of someone else for a cause or for a person, and giving of thanks, thanksgiving be made for all men. And specifically, God tells us to pray, to intercede, to supplicate to Him for a specific category of people, for kings and for all that are in authority. And it specifically says that we are to pray for the leaders of our country, the leaders uh, that are in our lives, be they uh, political uh, government leaders, or be they a boss, or be they, it says all that are in authority. We pray for all that are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You know, as we think about what's going to take place this week, does God know what's going to happen? Absolutely, He knows what's going to happen. And sometimes I wrestle with, um, with this matter of prayer because I believe we have a sovereign God who knows the end from the beginning. And yet that same sovereign God has asked me, has asked you to pray. And he has told you and I that our prayers make a difference. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And it's easy to fall into a trap of belittling the importance of prayer. I understand the fact of trusting in God, and no matter what happens this next week, God's the one who we're going to look, look to for our hope. I get that. But I do believe that God has asked us to pray. To pray for those who are in authority. To pray for those who are going to be placed into a position of authority. And we can pray with faith knowing that God's the one who appoints people. He's the one that puts someone into a position. I don't think there's anything wrong with us praying for God to put righteous people into positions of authority. Because one of the reasons why we pray for those who are in authority, one of the reasons why we pray for someone like Governor Polis, for example, who obviously is, is not a saved man, and, and in that sense not a righteous man, um, I don't throw him under the bus as far as some people may. I think out of all the Democrat governors, we could have it a lot worse. At least he has somewhat of a, of a sensitivity to allowing uh, some businesses to operate during this, and I understand I'm not for a lot of what he's done. But I'm going to be I'm going to say thank you to the Lord when I pray about Governor Polis because it's not as bad as what it could be. I think God's been more gracious to us, for example, than He has been to California, New Mexico, um, and uh, Oregon and Washington. That being the case, one of the reasons we pray for those who are already in authority, who stand in a place of being liberal. And one of the reasons we pray for people to be put into a position of authority that are righteous, that are going to stand for biblical truth, is for this reason, so that we can live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now help me out tonight. What does it mean to live a quiet life? No strife with your neighbor. Okay, so what is peaceable then? To live a quiet and peaceable life. 
Right. I think that the quiet has to do, with, with, in, in this verse right here from what I've studied, the quiet has to do, um, we could put it this way in our modern vernacular, keeping to your own business, a quiet life, peaceable, I think has to do with what you're talking about. Um, not, not being at strife with the people who are around us. One of the reasons we pray for God to put righteous people into authority, and we pray for the people who are in authority who may not be righteous, but that they would, but God would move their hearts. As Proverbs 21.1 says that God, the, hand, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he moves it as the rivers of water with us whoever he will. One of the reasons we pray for these things is so that they'll make decisions in this world, as we're living in this world, that will enable us to live a life where we can go about our business in peace. We can live our life in peace that God has, that God has given us to live in all godliness and honesty. Now, what is that talking about? Well, so that we can go about our own business in peace with a testimony of godliness and honesty I think of men who have had that put to the test, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They very much would have liked to have just gone about their own business and lived at peace. But when the person who was in authority made a command that they had to bow down to a golden statue, they weren't able to go about their business in all quiet, living a godly uh, and honest life and all, uh, 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 with, with being all quiet and peaceable. They, they had to make a choice that defied government that put them into the position of getting thrown into a fiery furnace in a very literal sense. The same thing happened for Daniel in the lion's den. And there have been people all throughout history who uh, have been under uh, leaders who put them into this position. But one of the reasons we plead with God, coming to, especially coming to a time of year like this, that God would give us uh, the right leaders of, in our country is so that we're able to fulfill really the commission he's given us to fulfill. God has put us in this world for what reason? What's that? To win souls. To bring him glory ultimately through the evangelization of this world. To build his kingdom. To see people saved. That, that is the great commission that he's given us. And it... We have been extremely blessed in America for many, many years to have the freedom to go about doing that. But freedom is only one generation away from being lost. And to, for us to continue on assuming that God is going to continue to bless us when we as a nation are butchering our babies, when we as a nation are wholeheartedly condoning homosexual lifestyles, we, when, when our system of morality is being shifted at its very core, for us to assume that God is going to continue to bless us with freedom when we defy his truth is prideful. And we need to learn how to plead with God on the behalf of our country. Let me ask you a question. When's, when's the last time you shed a tear for America? When's the last time your heart was so broken for your country that it drove you to your knees? I know what happens in my private time of prayer. I don't know what happens in your private time of prayer. And I think across the board that we are, 
very calloused to our need for God in this country. I hadn't gone to any of the rallies, the patriot rallies this whole time. I hadn't gone. I didn't really think it was probably appropriate for a pastor to go to one of those things. Um, just from what I'd heard. But I went this, this past weekend. And I appreciate the patriotism. I appreciate the intention of something like that. But as I stood at that rally this week weekend and I watched, what I watched was, I don't know how many people were there, certainly over 100. What I watched was a group of people, many of whom I had never met. Some I, know, I knew, and I respect their choice to be there. But what I watched was a bunch of people who had gathered together who were making a church out of that assembly. And can I tell you, there's a danger on two sides of this equation. Whereas we might look at a liberal crowd and, and understand, according to biblical truth, that it's blatantly wrong, I look at a right-wing crowd who looks at their hope for America and electing a person to an office. And I realize that's just as cultish. And I know who I'm going to vote for, but I'm not putting my hope in who I vote for. Friend, if we had Ronald Reagan to vote for today, he would not be the saving grace of America. God bless America and shed his grace on thee. That's the only hope for America is the Lord. And what was most interesting to me about that whole experience was I believe many of the people who I stood with in that crowd, they'll go and spend three hours on a Saturday waving an American flag but they haven't darkened the door of a church in years. And that is what is wrong with America. We think we can solve this problem on our own. We don't realize how much we desperately need God. And until we come to a point that we're willing to be driven to our knees by the need that exists around us, until we as God's people experience a Holy Ghost-led revival in our hearts, there is, no, there is no hope for America. I preached a message back in July. July, it was around July the 4th. If you, had, if you didn't listen to it then, I encourage you to go back and listen to it now. But you know what led the drive behind the American Revolution? There were two great revivals that took place in this land. The first Great Awakening and the second great awakening. And as a result of that great moving of God, people, men like George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, they grew up in a day when people were very aware of their need for God. People were turning to God in faith left and right. And it was on the backbone of an understanding of the desperate need for the grace and the providence of God that our, that our country was established. And that is the only hope for us today as well. And so I want to invite you to pray. To pray with me for our country. I want to invite you to consider the reasons we have to be broken as a nation. The reasons we have to be broken as 
praying people for the wickedness that is happening in our country. You read, and we don't have time to go there tonight, but you read the accounts in the scripture of men like Nehemiah. You go back to Nehemiah chapter 1. You go to Ezra chapter 1 and 2. You listen to how these men prayed for the wickedness of their nation. How they confessed their national sins to God. You listen to how broken they were. It led them to praying and fasting. Their hearts were broken for the state of their land. And you listen to that. Remind you of our great need to come together to pray for America. To pray for God's forgiveness. The many things that are going on in our country that he is not pleased with. You make no mistake about it. If God was to take his vengeance and execute justice upon America, we would deserve every bit of it. We deserve leadership that is going to lead us into socialism, into slavery, into bondage, because that is where our sin has brought us to. I said this to many people. Donald Trump and Joe Biden are the product of American society. You don't like Joe Biden? You don't like Donald Trump? We were reaping what we've sown for years as a country. No leader that we're ever going to have is going to be perfect. I understand that. But God is always going to be the answer. Regardless of what happens on Tuesday, we have got to understand that as God's people. And yet, still, all of this being true, the Bible tells us as believers, we're supposed to be a people who lives separate from this world. I am not an American first. I am a Christian first. I march under a different banner. I'm a pilgrim passing through this world. And I understand for me to make a statement like that is not very becoming to somebody who's very patriotic. I'm as patriotic as they come. But my kingdom is not of this world. I understand that there will be no America in heaven. And I'm living for something higher than just the here and now. Now, I want to stand for America, and I love America, and I want, to do, I want to stand for our freedoms as long as God allows me to stay in this world and allows this country to remain what it is. And I want to perpetuate that freedom to future generations. Make no mistake about that. But we have got to stop finding our hope in this thing. And if there is any hope for our country to remain how it has been, it's going to be because of the grace of God. And so the Lord tells us to pray. He tells us to pray for all who are in authority. And I want to invite you with the remaining time we have tonight to spend some time in prayer. That God would show mercy on us as a nation. That God would grant forgiveness to us for the many wicked things that are taking place in our country today. And that God would lift up righteous men and women against the tide, against the odds, put them into positions of authority that will lead our nation back in the way that his word teaches us we ought to live so that we can live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty so that we can continue to practice our faith, win souls to Jesus Christ, accomplish the work of his kingdom on this earth 
and freedom so long as God will grant that to us. Now, if we lose that freedom, we're still going to be about that business. We'll do it in persecution. We'll do it in oppression. But I'm praying that God would show us grace and allow us to have that freedom for a generation more. For my kids. That's what I'm praying for. And all that God would break our hearts about this need. I'm not trying to conjure up a great emotional response. Fake emotion isn't going to do anything tonight. But is your heart concerned about the state of our country like mine is? Do you understand that God is the only hope? Or would you be willing to join in prayer with me tonight, asking God to work in our country? And may that revival that is needed in our country begin in this room tonight. I believe it could. If we would be willing to truly give our hearts to the Lord tonight, we would truly be willing to turn to the Lord in faith in the midst of this hour, in faith in the midst of this hour. I believe that, that that revival could start right here in your heart and my heart. And I want you to take as long as it takes. You might pray for five minutes. You might pray for ten minutes. You might pray for an hour. But we're going to take some time to pray. Some of you might want to pray on your own to the Lord. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, would rather get together in groups, maybe of twos and threes. And um, don't pray so loud that other people can't hear themselves pray. We're just going to spread up, spread out all over this auditorium. And we're going to take some time to pray for our country. Pray uh, for this upcoming election. Pray for God to forgive us of the national sins that we have committed against him. And pray for God's mercy. And I'd like to take some time to do that. And, and some of you may be watching from home. I want to encourage you with your family, or, or if, even if it's just you, take some time. Turn off the, When we turn off this live stream, shut off social media and take some time to get on your knees and join together with us in prayer. And let's take some time to pray as the scripture has commanded us to do. Let's take some time to pray. And so let's all stand together at this time. And as you stand to your feet, I want to encourage you, if you'd just like to come yourself, to come to the altar to pray, you come. If you'd like to pair up with some people that are around you, then pair up with people that are around you. If, if you don't know the name of all of our elected leaders, we've got prayer bulletins in the back. And in that prayer bulletin are all of our current leadership. I'd encourage you to pray for them while you take time to pray. And pray for God to work, work during this time, uh, during, during this week. Pray for God's mercy and grace uh, during this week. And uh, so let's, let's take some time. You go around the room, find somebody to pray with.